After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, the Khalif al-Masih, the fifth, Ayyadullah Ta'ala bin Sirziz, recited verse 18 of Surah At-Tawbah and then stated, After a long period of time, Allah the Exalted has enabled the Ahmadiyya Muslim community of France to construct another mosque here. By the grace of Allah, there is a large number of converts and non-Pakistani Ahmadis in this city of Strasbourg. Rather, 75% of them are not Pakistanis. By the grace of Allah, they are very sincere and loyal, and Allah the Exalted has granted them a mosque here. Now the Ahmadis residing here can forge an even stronger relationship with the community than before. May Allah the Exalted enable them to do so. I will now read out the translation of the verse which was recited earlier and which you all heard. He alone can keep the mosques of Allah in a good and flourishing condition who believes in Allah and the last day and observes prayer 
and pays the zakat and fears none but Allah. So these it is who may be among those who reach the goal. Allah the Exalted has mentioned these as the attributes of those who build mosques and populate them, that they believe in Allah, i.e. they have firm and complete faith that God is the fountainhead and master of all powers. And that all else beside him is of no value. Hence, it is vital to prostrate before Allah the Exalted and to worship Him in order to attain this level of faith. Allah the Exalted increases those who bow down before Him in faith and certainty. Moreover, belief in the hereafter is another attribute or a condition that Allah the Exalted has set for those who come to the mosques because it is belief in the hereafter that encourages one to worship Allah the Exalted in a way that is purely to attain the pleasure of Allah the Exalted. Elucidating on this matter, on one occasion the Promised Messiah stated, Belief in the hereafter serves as a means to attain divine insight, and divine insight cannot be attained without the awe and fear of God. Thus, remember that when a person begins to doubt the hereafter, puts a person's faith in danger, and taints the prospect of a good end. I.e., under such circumstances, one is no longer guaranteed a good end, nor is there certainty that, that such an individual will remain faithful. Thus a true worshipper and one who populates mosques is in fact one who never has a doubt in his heart about the hereafter and who remains bowed down before Allah the Exalted in order to attain a good end. Then it is stated that only those people who populate mosques or only those people who derive benefit from constructing mosques who observe prayers they proclaim they have not constructed this mosque merely to show it to the world, that they too have a mosque. Rather, ensuring that they go to offer prayers five times a day then becomes their duty. Allah the Exalted has stated here to observe prayer. And observing prayers denotes offering prayers in congregation. Following this is the act of being attentive towards the God, i.e. almsgiving, and making financial sacrifices. Hence, making sacrifices for the propagation of the religion of Allah the Exalted and fulfilling the rights of the creation of Allah should be distinct qualities of those who populate mosques.
All of this is carried out so that the fear of Allah the Exalted increases in our hearts and so that we try our level best to acquire His pleasure. Allah the Exalted says that those who do all of this are the very individuals who, in the sight of Allah, are guided or will be counted among the guided people. Hence, we should always continuously offer this prayer, make endeavours in accordance with it, and offer this supplication whilst sitting before Allah the Exalted. New Ahmadi converts and those who are Ahmadi by birth ought to bear this in mind. And in fact, older Ahmadis, especially those that have come from Pakistan, have a greater responsibility of being mindful of the fact that they have to establish good examples for new Ahmadis. They ought to pray that after the construction of this mosque, in line with this mindset, and whilst transforming their practical conditions in accordance with God's commands, may He grant us the ability to populate this mosque and include us among those who have been guided. It should not be the case that owing to our weakness and sluggishness we ruin our life in this world and the hereafter as a result of not acting in accordance with this commandment of Allah the Exalted, which is regarding those who populate the mosque. May He have mercy on us, protect us from going astray, continue to guide us on the right path, and always keep our intentions pure and virtuous, and make us among those who fulfill the rights of God and become those who convey the message of God's religion in this area. May we, along with the construction of this mosque and in accordance with the guidance of the appointed promised Messiah, be those who make this mosque a means for the propagation of Islam. God shower his blessings on us and make us the fulfillment of the saying of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, in which he said that whoever builds a mosque for the sake of Allah the Exalted, God will in turn build a similar house for him in paradise. Thus, may he make us true believers and continue to shower his blessings on us. In order to achieve every Ahmadi must first and foremost evaluate their prayers as to whether or not they are mindful of offering the five daily prayers regularly and also whether they are offering prayers in congregation. It is not sufficient to merely say that our mosque has been built. It is not sufficient to merely build a mosque in order for a house to be built in the hereafter. For this, faith must be accompanied with deeds. It is also necessary to follow the commandments of Allah the Exalted. It is also essential to fulfill the due rights of being in the Jamaat of the Promised Messiah Each year, 
Muslims build thousands of mosques. However, if sermons are delivered on sectarianism, instead of cussing how one ought to have fear of Allah the Exalted and fulfill the rights of His creation, if discussions are merely held on personal vested interests, or if the so-called scholars are giving rise to innovations which have no relevance with the tradition of the Holy Prophet then such mosques do not lead towards paradise in the sight of Allah the Exalted and His Messenger. Thus to fulfill the rites of a mosque, to make it the means of leading a person to paradise, and to have a house built for wealth in paradise, are enormous responsibilities. And every Ahmadi should understand these responsibilities, try to act in accordance with them, and endeavour to fulfil their rights. Furthermore, it is necessary to understand and act in accordance with the manner in which the ardent devotee of the Holy Prophet has guided us in this era on how to become a true Muslim, how to fulfill the rights of our worship and mosques, and how we can fulfill the rights of the creation of Allah the Exalted. Only then will we be able to say that we have firm and complete faith in Allah the Exalted that we have complete faith and certainty in the Day of Judgment, that we establish and maintain our prayers in order to acquire the pleasure of Allah the Exalted, and that we also sacrifice our wealth in order to establish the rights of the creation of Allah the Exalted. If we are fearful of any being, then it is God Almighty alone. Only the fear of Allah the Exalted can be found in our hearts, as we have love for Him. We do not fear anything in this material world, nor do we love any worldly object in the same manner as we love God the Exalted. We are those who sacrifice their worldly interests for the sake of our faith and religion. I will present some of the guidance of the Promised Messiah which he has given us in order to become true Ahmadis, true servants of God the Exalted. The Promised Messiah states, None of the faculties, such as hands, feet, eyes, the mind, endowed by Allah the Almighty, have been granted to man so that they may be wasted, Rather, their discipline and proper use is the true means by which they are nourished and developed. How can they be nourished? This is through their proper use and not through any misuse of them. This is why Islam has not taught that the faculties of virility be slaughtered completely or that the eye be gouged out. Instead, teaches their proper use and the purifications of one's inner self. It does not teach that since a person will be inclined towards leering, Therefore, the eyes should be removed. Rather, they should be used appropriately. For it is not the case that one destroys their faculty of virility. 
Rather, the true deed is to use them in a pious and appropriate manner. In this respect, Allah the Exalted states, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Meaning, surely success does come to the believers. Then after illustrating the life of a righteous person, God Almighty draws a conclusion in the following words, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ And it is they who shall prosper. First, God Almighty explained the qualities of a believer and said, قَدْ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And then said, وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ That is to say, those who tread the path of righteousness, those who believe in the unseen, those who establish or set upright their prayer when it begins to fall, as it were, those who give from that which is bestowed to them by God, those who, irrespective of their own thoughts and desires, believe in all the divine scriptures sent by God. Since God has stated to believe in all the scriptures, they believe in them. Ultimately attain to the level of certainty. It is these very people who are truly guided and who tread a path that goes on to lead a person to success. Therefore, it is such people who are triumphant and who shall reach their final destination and who have been delivered from the perils of the journey before them. Hence, from the very outset, Allah the Exalted has given us a teaching of rightness and bestowed upon us a book which also provides counsel on how to develop piety. And so, let my community grieve more than anything else over whether they possess righteousness or not. How can one determine whether or not they possess taqwa, i.e. righteousness, and who is truly a muttaqi? i.e. a righteous person. Expounding on this, the Promised Messiah states, The word of God states that the righteous are those who walk with humility and modesty and do not speak arrogantly, i.e. they are humble and have no sign of arrogance in them. They speak as though they were a lowly person addressing their senior. In any case, we should act in a manner that brings about our prosperity. None can claim a monopoly over Allah the Almighty, for he desires righteousness alone. One who adopts righteousness shall attain a lofty status. The Promised Messiah states, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or Abraham, on whom be peace, did not receive honor by any inheritance. Although we believe that Abdullah, the revered father of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was not an idolater, but it was not on this account that the Prophet of Islam was converted his prophethood. Prophethood was endowed to him by divine grace due to the virtues present in his nature. This is what drew in God's grace. It was the sincerity and righteousness which led Abraham, on whom be peace, the father of the prophets, to sacrifice his son without hesitation. Even he himself was cast into a fire. Just reflect upon the sincerity and devotion of our chief and master, Muhammad, the messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Holy Prophet stood firm against all forms of evil. He bore diverse trials and tribulations, but did not care in the least. It was this sincerity and devotion which moved Allah the Exalted to shower his grace. 
It is for this reason he states, Inna Allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allah Almighty and all his angels send blessings upon the messenger. O ye who believe, you also should invoke blessings and peace upon the Prophet. Thus, we have been commanded that if we wish for our prayers to be granted acceptance, then we must recite the Durood, i.e. invoking salutations upon the Holy Prophet Without reciting the Durood, one's supplications cannot reach to the heavens, and nor can one attain any form of success. Therefore, in order to improve one's standard of worship and to attain the nearness of God Almighty, one must recite the Durood. Indeed, one who recites the Durood will naturally be mindful of the noble example of the Holy Prophet What did the Holy Prophet say regarding the prayers and what instruction did he impart to his followers? The Holy Prophet stated that Salat was the delight of his eyes. Similarly, the Holy Prophet established such an example in regards to filling the rights of Allah's creation that the likes of which cannot be found. The Holy Prophet did not show any concern for his own personal welfare. Rather, whatever he had, even if the wealth was equal to the size of a field, he would distribute it amongst the people and anyone who came to him seeking help, and they would never leave empty-handed. Aside from this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ was always willing and ready to extend his hand to help mankind. Therefore, when one recites the Dud, whilst keeping in view the noble example of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, only then can one's attention remain focused on seeking to emulate the perfect examples established by the Holy Prophet ﷺ. When one develops this vision, then God Almighty, owing to our expression of love by reciting the Durood on the beloved Prophet of God, accepts our supplications. It is only then that we can attain the nearness of God Almighty and demonstrate meekness and humility and become counted amongst those who tread the path of righteousness. And it is these people who will prosper. The Promised Messiah states, If one possesses only verbal claims, then remember that this is of no benefit. In order to succeed, one must adopt taqwa. If one wishes to succeed, then they must become a righteous person. True taqwa enables one to attain the cognizance of God Almighty and to adhere to His commandments. In regards to the reality of prayer and describing the condition of true prayer, the Promised Messiah states, There are many people who verbally profess their belief in God. However, on further investigation, it becomes evident that they are in fact atheists. The reason for this is that when they are busy in their worldly pursuits, they overlook the wrath and grandeur of God. Hence, it is vital that every single one of you 
should pray to God Almighty to seek true cognizance of his existence. However, that can only be attained when one realizes that abandoning God is tantamount to death. When one prays to abstain from sin, at the same time one should never forsake the measures required to achieve this. To seek prayer and to exert one's own physical efforts are both essential. You should eschew every assembly and gathering that incites one to commit sin. Every one of you can assess for himself that which kind of gatherings, meetings, TV programs, etc. incite one towards sin and therefore must be abandoned. One must not only abandon them but also pray in this regard because it is only up to the grace of God Almighty that one can abandon such evils. Behold, unless one has the succor of God Almighty, one can never evade those trials that are destined for him. Prayer which is offered five times in a day alludes to this very truth. Prayer which is offered five times in a day alludes to this very truth in that until it is not protected from one's inner passions and thoughts, it will certainly not be considered true prayer. Prayer certainly does not mean to simply go through the physical motions and to offer it merely as a ritual or as a customary practice. Prayer is where one's heart feels the soul melt and in an extreme state of fear falls at the threshold of God Almighty. To whatever extent possible in one's own efforts, one should try and instill a state of emotion of intense fervor and supplicate with complete humility to become free from insolence and sin, which is found in one's nature. Such is the prayer is full of blessings. If one preserves in this way, then soon a moment shall appear either in the day or in the night, where one shall witness that a spiritual light has descended upon their heart, and the brazen nature of nafs amara i.e. the soul that incites to evil, has reduced. Just as a snake carries venomous poison, so too does the nafs amara and thus he who has created it also has its antidote. In other words, it is God Almighty alone who can safeguard one from such ill. Thus, one should always seek the blessings of Allah the Almighty. Expounding on the importance of prayer, the Messiah states that Salat is the essence of prayer, and without it one cannot fulfill the due rights of Allah the Almighty. Thus, one should remember that without Salat, or adhering to the methods prescribed by God Almighty, cannot fulfill the due rights of God Almighty. Also, Salat entails various conditions which must be fulfilled. Whilst observing Salat, one should always remember that they should stand before Allah the Almighty with utmost respect, courtesy, humility, full concentration and seek the blessings of God Almighty. Further expounding on the condition of Salat, the Prophet Muhammad states, Once I was pondering over the difference between Salat and prayer. In the Hadith it is states, As-Salatu hiyad-du'a 
Meaning Salat is a form of prayer and it is the essence of prayer. When a person prays solely for worldly material, it is not called Salat. A person supplicates, attends the mosque, begins to offer the five daily prayers and demonstrates fervency in his prayers. But the reason is only because he faces certain difficulties. Therefore, if one only prays for worldly gains, it cannot be called Salat. However, when one prays with the intention to seek communion with God Almighty, win His pleasure, and stands before Allah the Almighty with utmost courtesy, humility and concentration, but not for His own personal reasons, rather to seek the pleasure of Allah the Almighty, that is when it is called Salat. True prayer is when a sincere and holy relationship is established with God and the worshipper. This is the means through which one can attain the nearness of God Almighty and safeguards one from inappropriate things. The main objective is that one should seek the fear of Allah the Almighty. Thereafter, it is permissible for one to pray for their worldly needs. Thus, one should first pray to attain the pleasure of God Almighty, and then they may pray for their worldly needs, because they too can only be attained to His grace. This is so because at times, one's worldly difficulties can affect one's religious affairs, particularly during such difficult and challenging times through which the world is passing. When a person is weak and facing difficulty, then their worldly affairs can be the means for them to stumble. Thus, one should first forge a relationship with Allah the Almighty and then also pray their worldly needs as well. The Prophet states that the word Salat alludes to burning just like something burns in fire. Thus, one's level of fervency in prayer should be similar to this state of burning. When one reaches this state as if one is nearing death, that is true Salat. Thus, this is the reality of Salat, which we should all try to attain. May God Almighty grant us the opportunity to do so. Further explaining this, the Promised Messiah states, If one claims to be a believer, then it is essential for them to offer prayers. It is wrong to only offer Salat only three or four times, and yet claim be a believer, because Salat is the very root of faith. One who is empty of this root is like a hollow tree, which will be uprooted at the mere blowing of a breeze. The Promised Messiah states that, just like on a hot day, clouds gather together and it begins to rain. Similar is the case of one's Salat. The intense passion of faith enables one to accomplish what they are seeking for. Salat is when one stands before Allah the Almighty with intense fervency and passion and courtesy. Despite being a servant of God, if a person then shows negligence, then God Almighty is self-sufficient and He shows no concern. Every nation can survive as long as they keep a relationship with God the Almighty. Prayer is a foundation of faith. Some foolish individuals question why does God Almighty need our prayers? The Promised Messiah says, O foolish ones, God Almighty is not in need of anything. 
Rather, it is you who are in need of prayers and for God Almighty to turn his attention towards you. Every incomplete task can be accomplished if God Almighty is with you. Prayer can remove thousands of sins and become a source of gaining nearness to God Almighty. This is not restricted to prayer alone. Through this one gains the nearness of God. Sins are forgiven and one's incomplete tasks can be completed. Furthermore, those who go to the mosque with sincerity and wait for the prayers, it is regarding these people that the Holy Prophet ﷺ says that when a person remains in wait for the prayer in the mosque, it will be as if he is preoccupied in prayer. If a person remembers God Almighty while sitting in the mosque, it will be as if they are engaged in worship and the angels will send down their blessings on that person by saying, O Allah, have mercy on him and for him. Accept his repentance. How great is the reward for the one who offers their prayers in the mosque? The reward is not only for the one who goes to the mosque to pray. Rather, even the person who is waiting for the prayer to begin receives a reward from God Almighty, and the angels pray for that individual. Thus, we ought to show great concern in order to fulfill the rites of worship of such a benevolent God and attend the mosque for the five daily prayers. Whilst explaining the fact that the purpose of religion is to establish unity and create one community, the Promised Messiah says, Allah desires to make all mankind as if they were all one person. This could also be called a democratic singularity. Under this concept, the diverse mankind could be considered as one individual. The purpose of religion is also that the human race be united in the form of beads of a tasbih, i.e. rosary, through one thread. The congregational prayers or salat is also for such unification, so that all the worshippers are counted as one. The reason why we are prescribed to stand shoulder to shoulder is so that whoever has greater wisdom or spiritual charisma is able to influence the weak. It is hoped that spiritual influence of the wise will diffuse into the weak. The Hajj also for the same plan. Allah started the plan of democratic singularity by instructing that all Muslims of a locality should say the five prayers in congregation in the local mosque, so that the moral qualities can be exchanged and the wisdom and light replaces witnesses. By such interaction, Muslims are introduced to each other and develop affection for one another. Such introduction is very important as that leads to affection, which is the basis of the unification, to the extent that an enemy that one is aware of is better than a friend who one knows nothing about. When one meets a person in a foreign country and they become acquainted, then a natural affection is formed in their hearts. The reason for this is that when one is away from the place where they had a feud, the grudge that developed, which is only a temporary feeling, is removed and all remains as their acquaintance. The second divine instruction is that on Friday, for the Friday prayer, Muslims should gather in the main mosque of the township. It is hard for all the people of the town to get together on a daily basis. Therefore, it was suggested that all the citizens of a town should at least weekly get acquainted with each other and promote unity. If here the distances are greater, then for those who have conveyance can easily come to the mosque every day. Furthermore, if one has the intention of populating the mosque, then they can go to the mosque. Nevertheless, 
even if someone is living far and is compelled, then it is vital for them to come for Jummah. By such a scheme, eventually all of them will unite in one body or singularity. Then on an annual basis, Allah has prescribed that Eid prayers be said at a regional level so that attendance and affection grows wider and helps in the process of democratic singularity. In the same theme, for the unity of the whole world, Allah has prescribed to perform Hajj at least once in one's lifetime so that representatives of all people assemble together in the expanse of Mecca, i.e. those the capacity to perform Hajj or to perform the Hajj. In summary, this is Allah's desire that affection and love among mankind progresses. Then regarding his opponents, the Prophet Messiah says that they are completely oblivious to the philosophy of Islam. Those who are opposed to Islam are unaware of the reality of these matters. Yet they raise allegations against the five daily prayers and why Muslims have to offer Jummah once a week and the purpose of the Eid prayers, etc. The Prophet ﷺ says that there is a philosophy behind these prayers and we ought to bear this in mind. He further says, There is no carelessness in the commands of God Almighty and to abstain from them completely is never possible. The Prophet ﷺ says, they are obvious to the great philosophy of Islam. One may show negligence or carelessness towards fulfilling obligations of one's superiors in a worldly capacity. However, it is not possible to show negligence and to abstain completely from the commands of God. Irrespective of the level of the faith of a Muslim, he will at least offer the Eid prayers. The benefit of all these gatherings is that the spiritual radiance of one would have an impact on the other and thus would strengthen them. When people meet and interact with one another, it certainly has an impact. However, this is for those people who are very weak in the True faith is that one ought to offer their five daily prayers in the mosque. Now that Allah the Almighty has granted you this mosque, you ought to exemplify the aforementioned example of unity by gathering together, especially those who have the ease of conveyance. Derive the blessings of God by populating the mosque. then God Almighty will grant His favours, as mentioned previously, that God Almighty appoints the angels to pray for that person who go to offer the five daily prayers in the mosque. Furthermore, God Almighty has stated that the prayer in congregation is 27 times more blessed. Thus, if God Almighty outlined these favours, and despite having the opportunity, we do not value them, then it will be most unfortunate Every Ahmadi ought to ponder over this, and they must strive to come to the mosque. The Promise of Islam says, O ye people who consider yourselves members of my community, you will be counted as such in heaven when you truly tread upon the ways of righteousness. So, offer the five daily prayers in such fear and with such complete attention as though you are actually beholding God Almighty. Simply observe your fast for the sake of God. Let everyone who is liable to pay the zakat do so, and anyone upon whom the Hajj is, has become obligatory and who face no hindrance ought to perform the pilgrimage. Do good in a handsome manner and discard vice with disgust. Bear well in mind that no action of yours which is empty of righteousness, can reach God. Righteousness is the root of all goodness. No action that is rooted in righteousness will go in vain. 
the promised Messiah further says, Whenever harm befalls you, it will be from your own hands and not from the hands of your enemy. Even if you lose all honor on earth, God will bestow eternal honor upon you in heaven. So do not forsake him. The Messiah Islam continues, You are the last community of God. So practice virtue at its best. Anyone of you who becomes slothful will be cast out of the community like a foul thing and will die in regret and will be able to do harm to God. I gladly inform you that your God truly exists. Though all are his creation, but he chooses the one who chooses him. He comes to the one who goes to him. He bestows honor upon him who honors him, i.e. to man. May Allah the Almighty enable us to understand these heartfelt words of the promised Messiah, and enable us to increase in our faith. May He enable us to fulfill the rites of worship and enable us to form an active connection with God Almighty. And may He enable us to keep this mosque populated. I will now present some details regarding the mosque. By the grace of Allah, a concerted effort was made for this mosque a few years ago. And God Almighty granted us this site which is a total of 2,640 square meters. There is an existing three-story building which has 15 rooms and a large hall. In order to purchase this, a loan was taken from the Murkas at the time. Amir Sahib says that now almost all of it has been repaid with the exception of 50,000 euros. The council raised various concerns which were resolved in subsequent meetings. During various meetings with the mayor, the plans were submitted and by the grace of Allah, they were approved. According to the plans and sketches that were submitted, the architect estimated that the cost of the project would be 1 million euros, which the Majlis Qudam Lahmdiya France pledged to give. and took this as their responsibility. However, by the grace of Allah, this mosque was completed in 530,000 euros. At present, Majlis Qudam Lahmdiya France have given 350,000 euros, and the remaining was paid by the Jamaat. Qudam Lahmdiya France have pledged that they will pay the remaining amount. Qudam Lahmdiya have vowed to fulfill this, and perhaps they will do so. Not perhaps, rather, God willing, they will fulfill it, but why is the rest of the Jamaat abstaining from partaking in this? If this mosque has now been completed, then the Lajna and Ansar should work together to build a mosque and they ought to construct another mosque within three years. For the construction of this mosque, a committee was formed consisting of Mr. Aslam Dori Sahib, Shabazz Sahib and Muhammad Asim Sahib. According to their report, Mansur Sahib has worked very hard for this. May Allah the Almighty reward him. The official capacity of this mosque is for 250 worshippers. 
which the council has worked out according to its calculations. There is parking for 50 cars, one office for the Jamaat, an office for the Lajna, a library for men and women, and there is adequate lavatory facilities. The large parking hall is covered, and if there is an emergency, there is space for a further 125 people to offer prayers there. The pre-existing building contains 15 rooms, which were renovated and now can be used. This mosque is situated approximately 15 kilometers from Strasbourg. This is not a great distance in that those living far away will not be able to come for prayers. They can easily come. The covered area for the mosque and halls is 303 square meters. There is also a house for the missionary, as well as a four-bedroom guest house. Permission was not granted for the construction of a minaret. Nevertheless, permission was given for a dome to be built, which sits at a height of 8 meters and is located to the right side of the mosque. This looks attractive, and in fact the mob is on the inside. There is writing in the circular part. May God Almighty bless it in every respect. May He greatly bless the progeny and wealth of Khudam who sacrifice in order to construct this mosque. May this sacrifice not be limited to financial sacrifice alone. May God Almighty enable them to understand the spirit of populating mosques. May God Almighty elevate the level of worship of the Khuddam and also elevate the Alhamdulillah 
الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله ونشهد ان محمدا رسوله عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم ودعوه يستجيب لكم ولذكر الله اكبر